Okay, uh, hello and welcome um, to episode three, uh, Popcorn for Dinner, the Rings of Power reviews. Uh, we are now on episode four um, of the series, uh, which is actually the halfway point. Um, so it's me, Chiazo, today, uh, along with Priscilla. This episode was called The Great Wave. Uh, any initial any initial reactions, Priscilla? Um. It was a bit of a letdown from last week. I can't lie. Okay. I there were elements of the episode I really liked, um, really really liked, and there were other bits where I was just a bit like, "Well, it expand on it," because my general criticism is a base okay. on all the four episodes so far. But yeah, yeah, I guess there really has good. to be that context of um, the facts that we're halfway now. So you know, any uh, any of our hopes and dreams for this series really should have started appearing by now. Um, now, what's funny is that um, I have to be honest, you know, for the audience, I kind of enjoyed it. Now, <laughs> that could be for a number of reasons, including alcohol. Um, that isn't, which, is <laughs> which isn't the, uh, the greatest um, way to judge an episode, but it's really with- What did you drink? <laughs> tell the people what were you unless drinking? they give us a sponsor unless they give us a sponsorship um, I won't be saying the name I won't be saying the name but you know I'll DM them I'll DM them and ask them if they want a cheeky uh, you know advert <laughs> put in but a certain alcoholic substance it seems was, was consumed. consumed and seems has affected my judgment of the episode because um, I actually saw it got not uh, marked down quite badly uh, even on Amazon's own site, um, I don't know if you if you like watch it on a smart TV. You can see uh, the ratings um, it's given before you press play, and uh, this was I think two and a half stars out of five, um, or three stars, sorry, which again would say very average. About three thousand votes as well, so not amazing. But let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it, and um, obviously I'll give I'll give the things that excited me. Um, and it's quite possible that I just glazed over at the more boring parts. So um, we start off with the um, Numenorian Nigel Farage talking about elves taking jobs. That And, you know, he made some good points. You know, in this economy, can you imagine you're trying to get work and there's this... Cost crisis. Oh, and there's this immortal being that doesn't age, doesn't get tired, doesn't even sleep. I mean, it's kind of mad. It's kind of tight for men out there. So obviously there was a bit of an anti-elf uh, rally um, uh, to start with. Now, I mean, that being... It was, it was given the Trump rally. It was given build the wall, yeah. build the wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, and they... And hey, look, man, they were loving it. They were loving it. There's Yeah, it was a bit... Um, it was a bit crazy. It was a bit crazy. I mean, we had those Tories last episode as well. But anyway, this is not a political podcast. This is the Lord of the Rings. So, um, I mean, what what did you what did you make of that? Did you feel it actually added anything to to the episode? I mean, it, with it being the opening salvo, um, you know, any thoughts on that particular on that particular point? Do you mean the entire? dream that the queen regent had or that specific part in general uh, to be fair maybe i should have um gone straight into that because um after the rally um obviously muriel does have that dream 
Um, and that's where, for those that don't know, um, th- I mean, it's not a spoiler. It should be common knowledge that Numenor eventually sinks. That's why that line of kings is broken. It wasn't only with Isildur's death. Um, and Muriel um, saw this great wave happening um, and then woke up um, from her dream. So, yeah, we, c- we can mix that in. Maybe the whole Brexit, Numenorian Brexit thing was a... Uh, uh, supposed to be a funny scene. I didn't really find it that funny, but hmm, who knows what they were going for there. But yeah, uh, tell me what you thought about the dream. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. Apologies, for guys, for my voice this week. I've had flu, so I, I do sound like an orc. I apologise. But um, literally, I think it was, in, it was an interesting dream because I think it made me understand her position as to why she was so scared when Galadriel did come. Because mm. she realised, crap, this is the first domino that falls before the whole place sinks. Yeah. I think point. the scariest bit, and I was really surprised that they did add it in there in the first two minutes of an Amazon Prime show. I don't I don't know I'm surprised they've got the boys on that, sh- that streaming <laughs> site, but it was the babies on fire. Yeah. That's when I realised, oh, this is this is real. Because obviously they, they live a long time. They don't obviously live as long as elves do, yeah. but they do live longer than men. Yes. So they live quite a few hundred years and you're now seeing babies being burnt and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, okay, this this is real. Like I've always, obviously you always acknowledged you knew it was going to be put underwater and stuff. Mm-hmm. You've always known about it when you watch the, when you read and watch the Lord of the Rings series. But to actually see something like that, that's what made it all the more real for me. Yeah. I think. And and, and I can completely understand the hatred towards the Alps. I completely understand because in your head, I'm going all psycho Bible therapist speak here, mm. but you're associating the Alps with something bad that's going to happen. And that's an understandable reaction. Hence why she throws her ass in jail. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to put my head in the sand. So yeah, it was very interesting. I really loved that they put that in. That was one of the best bits of the episode, that entire dream sequence. I knew it was going to be a dream. I knew it wasn't going to be real. Oh, yeah. But it does It does give a good... It's like a prelude to what's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's sort of like... Um, do you remember in Game of Thrones when Daenerys has the dream of visionising the Iron Throne? Yeah. And she gets, she almost touches it and then she wakes up yeah. from the dream. That's what this felt like. And I actually quite liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good premonition. And I mean, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, uh, getting into psychology bag, uh, the the association um, as well. So the falling, the falling of the leaves, um, you know, like uh, um, the petals of a white tree falling is seen as a very big deal in Middle Earth. You know, like when that happens, it's no joke uh, what's coming, um, which um, sets us up nicely for the end um, of the episode as well so that they build that association that, you know, judgment is coming, change is coming. And, um, you know, to be honest, even the whole anti-elf thing, when you feel that your very existence is being uh, threatened, then the only reaction is fear or should be fear anyway because um you know that's that's just normal everyone wants to live um so yeah um yeah and you know it goes further to enforce um the tetia uh the 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 tetiness that she has towards uh galadriel um which she tolerated right up until galadriel said well you know, if you're not going to deal with my request, this is in terms of getting an army put together, then can I speak to your father, the one with real authority, which um, obviously pissed off Muriel. 
uh, to no end. That wasn't smart. Yeah, and Galadriel finds herself in jail. Now, um, we know that the episode uh, does jump around quite a bit um, in terms of going from place to place. But um, uh, what what I think we'll do, we'll kind of complete the story on Numenor and then we'll go to the other um, sections of the show. I, I did notice it looks like, um, un- unless, again, through my um, slightly inebriated um, eyes, um, it didn't look like they they do the transition thing anymore. Have I just imagined that? You know the, the map transition where... If they're a new more, oh, yeah. they, they didn't do that once, did they? I'm just thinking about that. I feel like they're like, oh, y'all know where this is, man. Like, you know, we don't need to tell oh, you I, anymore. I, I, but, but, I, but I really liked yeah, it, though. It was, it was such, such a, a, an, a, a little niche thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we're going today. It's like Georgia Explorer. <laughs> no, but I, I, I don't know. I thought I thought it was cool. And um, it's quite annoying to introduce uh, a certain... Uh, a certain element um, into the show or a feature of the show and then, you know, just removing it without warning, despite the fact that we are still jumping around between all these realms. I I don't know. Uh, I think every Lord of the Rings fan enjoys um, looking at the map of Middle Earth and other places. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, um, it was kind of, uh, it was a bit of a letdown. I know it's got nothing to do with the episode itself, but yeah <laughs> well, well, your feelings are valid if you're upset about it you're upset oh, about thank it you, Priscilla. and I, that's okay I appreciate that. <laughs> right okay so um yeah so now she's um obviously she's in jail with uh Helbrand, um who basically taunts her it's like well you know your mouth was always going to um was always going to get um her in trouble um, so again, you know, they're kind of still referring to Galadriel as this headstrong, stubborn person, you know, the tempest is within me and all that and um, all that good stuff um, that we know a lot of fans aren't uh, entirely happy with. I-, I mean, how are you seeing that character development so far? Does it, I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of how, she might change into who we see in Peter Jackson. I mean, did you have any thoughts on that? The fact that she doesn't seem to be softening at all, really, or getting wiser. I think this is going to be a multi-season thing. Okay. I I, I would prefer it to be that way. It would really haggle me if she all of a sudden became a kumbaya, peace and positive posy vibes mm. by the end of the season as long as she makes some she's made small little changes to herself i think listening to elrond and all those little things yeah i think yeah. her sort of i think she's i think she's done small things but i think as long as by the end of the season that there is a sense of that the develop there's a lot like i can see where the development's going mm. then that's all right i think um by the end of the show it's entirety I expect her to be almost either eighty percent of the way there of what she is in the Peter Jackson's um, installments of Lord of the Rings and in the books. Basically, what she's like generally in the books, or what we know her as mainly. So I, yeah, I'm not too mad at it. I actually quite like that she's headstrong. It's quite funny. <laughs> um, I think that um, it gives. She's got a bit about her. She's got a dog in her. I rate it. <laughs> like she rates. She rates herself. Yeah, and I think. Also, I think what probably maybe what I gave sympathy for her is because she is right. 
Yeah. She's warning y'all about Sauron and these orcs and no one's listening to her. Yeah. And that thing, that's why I have, if, I think if she was, um, I think, I think people don't really know what they want because I think people, some people are going in thinking she was going to be a Mary Sue sort of character. Yeah. And that's been completely spun on its head within the first 10 minutes of the first episode. Yeah. And I think people now are trying to find something else. I think there's genuine complaints and criticisms that we've had about Galadriel. I mean, me and you have talked and gone into detail about it. But I feel like people have gone from like, oh, she's, oh, I don't want to be a Mary Sue. Then when she's not a Mary Sue, then it's like, oh, but she's too headstrong. She's too this. And I'm like, well, she is. I mean, then what What do you want? I feel like they've perfectly balanced it. She's not not listened to people. She listened to Halfbrand perfectly in that episode and understood that, you know what, let me keep my mouth pim. I'll still do what I want. She did what she wanted in the end anyways, but yeah, she, did. she did hear him out. <laughs> she did what she wanted and, and, and she looked badass doing it. Yeah. But Definitely. at the same time, she did hear him out. She understood that, you know what, like maybe I need to pattern the way I'm speaking to people and she actually heard him out. Mm. So yeah, all, all in all, like I think there are some criticisms there that I have about her. I think I do want to see a little bit more development um, and a little bit more you know, her changing a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not that mad. It's not like the be all and end all of everything. I don't want her to be all, I don't even want to use Gandhi as an example, but I don't want her to be all like peace, love, posy vibes. The girls who have like, you know, them like um, signs in their rooms and they've got all the fairy lights <laughs> oh, and they've got all like, they've got incense burning. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. No, look, it, it's a fair point. And, you know, um, it, it's possible, it, you know, there's no denying that uh, Rings of Power has turned into something where there's a lot of hate watching going on. So, I, you know, people are just tuning in to talk about all the things they don't like about it rather than take the show for what it is. And obviously, uh, we, know, we knew that Galadriel would be um, a really hot point um, for these criticisms, regardless of uh, what she, even, you know, even if she was Galadriel straight away from the Peter Jackson versions, you know, people would say, well, there's no character development. So yeah, um, we definitely have to take those criticisms with a p- pinch of salt and try to take the show for what it is, which is what we have been preaching uh, from the start, but um, oh, well. So, uh, so back to the episode uh, review. Um so again, we'll just we'll just stay on Numenor um, for a bit. But now the side piece of uh, Numenor, which um, is a is a slight element that I feel I'm starting to struggle with um, in terms of interest. So this is Isildur, and you know, because when I say the side pieces of um, Numenor, even though these are major characters, I mean I'm talking about Elendil, uh, Isildur, uh, the sister. Farazon, Farazon, um, Farazon is the beard guy. And now they've introduced his son. And, um, I have to say at this stage, I'm not entirely sure what these characters are doing in this story. Now, this could be a slight, um, gap in my knowledge of the second age or a younger Isildur, but, um, the whole, um, you know, becoming a sailor thing. Um, he makes a mistake because he hears someone whispering in his ear, um, which uh, we know he'll have a problem with soon enough because the ring also whispers in his ear and he gets completely distracted and does whatever he wants. I don't know if they're setting that up. I don't know who 
was calling his name, but you know, he gets distracted and him and his two other friends are kicked off uh, the boat, so to speak. And their careers are basically gone down the drain. Now I know they're trying to build this up as a big deal, but um, yeah, I'm sort of struggling to get the importance of this particular storyline. And I'm not just going to be like, well, it's sealed or so I'm just going to follow uh, whatever happens. Uh, what, what did you, what have you made of these side characters? So, um, you know, the people that aren't Muriel, that aren't um, Galadriel, that aren't Halbrand, but um, Isildur and his uh, friends and family. How, how have you, how did you find that? Um, I think Isildur. <sighs> she was in love with him last week, by the way. Um, <laughs> I still am, I still am, I still am, I still am, I still am. <laughs> Uh, obviously, um, a certain character in um, House of the Dragon has taken over him. That's, that's, <laughs> oh that's a conversation for a different day. All right. That's a um, Kristen Colmey, uh, <laughs> or Frankie Frankel, who plays him, call me. Oh um, but I think you're on the right lines of what you were trying to say. I think they're trying to set up um, what he was going to be like when he's older. Yeah. The fact that he's very impulsive. Um, I think Valendil, his friend, basically says to him, like, you've your father's always given you, you know, everything you wanted. Like, the only reason why you're in this position of power is because of your dad. And then essentially that's what happens. Yeah. His dad passes and he only gets the ring because his dad's dead, et cetera. You know what I mean? So I think they're trying a way to set that up. Yeah. To basically go, oh, that's why he is the way he is, rather than because I think in the prologue, and it's a very good prologue in the oh, yeah, show, but I don't get twisted. One of the best ever. Um, but the prologue, you don't you don't really get to know Ilstor as a person. You just know he did what he did, and that's it. Yeah. And I think what they're trying to do is basically give a flesh it out a little bit more and go, you know what? He's actually always been like this. Mm. He's always been a little bit hot headed. Yeah. He's always been a little bit impulsive. He's always been a little bit. Um, had his father, you know, grant him everything he's all sort of wished for. He's never really had to work. I'm putting, in, if you're not watching the video, I'm putting quotation marks. He's not really worked for anything in his life. Yeah. So I think they're trying to set that up. Whether they're doing it successfully or not is a different conversation because I don't think they are. Mm. I think they sort of, what they're doing wrong is that I don't mind Ilsador having a side story in this because I think he's obviously, he's a pivotal part. Yeah. But, you've got to at the same time make him prominent because this is not just any person. Yeah. He he holds the ring. Exactly. But at the end of this. So obviously not the end of this show. I don't know if they're going to, they're probably going to go straight into the battle, I think. Mm. So by the end of the entire show. So like he's an important character. Yeah. And I think this is a general criticism I've had so far watching this show is that they've struggled to give each side plot enough amount of prominence yeah. for it to mean something there will every episode one storyline would like this week it was obviously everything that's going on with Galadriel and Halfbrand and yeah. you know what I mean and they struggle so much with stretching it out so everyone's receiving the same amount of prominence yeah and that's a general thing I've had through watching I've only really I thought about it and I was like let me not say let me wait till halfway but yeah they really struggle with it and I think they need to learn the balance of it properly because 
if you want to do this storyline with Ilsa, I don't mind because I think that's very interesting and I think it'd be really cool to see. Yeah. To know, you know, his human psychology and why he is the way he is. I like that. I'm not mad at it. That's a good storyline to have. And I think it's the, the smartest thing to do because yeah. you've got the material there from the actual book. So just use it and just flesh it out a little bit more. Absolutely. But they've made him seem so redundant. Yes, he's like a side character, you know. The- he's like a side a side plot, like a side, like, you know, like. Like a Patrick Starch, I mean. Yeah, and it's, um, yeah, like he doesn't seem, it's such a weird word to use, but like, you know, do you see this guy becoming king, having the ability to lead people into battle? Like, I know that that's where like character development comes in, but they need to give us something. I think it's a very bad sign for a show where I feel like every time I see his face, the episode has, you know, basically the plot has stopped and I have to get invested in this guy trying to become a sailor. And I'm just not. I want to see how Galadriel gets back to Middle Earth. You know, it's been two episodes now. It looks like it's finally going to happen. Um, you know, the, the, the obviously the uh, story of Isildur in this case is, you know, slightly fabricated. So it's frustrating that you have the ability to kind of make up any side plot here to flesh out this character, to make us invested, interested. Um, and yeah, it's just not working at the moment. And I think the addition of other characters, uh, so, you know, his, his friends, for example, I'm not saying they don't or shouldn't exist. Um, his sister as well, like who did nothing but, go wide-eyed this episode without really saying anything. I think got moved to by Farazan's son. Like, I'm like... Yeah. I, I'm not getting the points of these scenes, and um, I feel it's really slowing down the story. Um, and it's like, for a lot more tension to be built around who the stranger is, um, and then for us to not see the Harfoots at all. But I have to watch Isildur's sister get flirted with by someone I don't know, Elendil having hardly any lines. Um it's not it's not great. The king the king in the tower as well. Okay, he pops his eyes open, you know, hopefully that leads to something cool. But um yeah, this episode unfortunately wasn't it wasn't the best it's, it doesn't feel like the best executed. To be honest, the Southlands is the only thing holding this series together at the moment. Every time we see um, Orandir, who is a fictional character, which uh, anyway, wow, <laughs> they've got the real characters and they're not doing things with them. But anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, Kaza Doom. Um, we've got uh, Elrond. We see Celebrimbor again. Um, they've agreed to start building the this tower. There's Mithril. The two Durins are a bit paranoid about something. We see Durin the Fourth's wife sing to the stones to try and rescue the dwarves, which again was a bit of a pointless scene to me. But uh, what did you think? <laughs> I think the the dwarves sort of scenario thing, that whole thing. I didn't mind it. Okay. <laughs> um, I quite liked, you know, when Elrond came in and he was like, oh, like 20 years is actually too long. Yeah. Like, I, 
I did quite like it. I can't, I'm going to say it and lie. I actually did like it. Okay, yeah, um, no, fair enough. I, 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 Please tell the audience why, because uh, I'm I'm going to struggle here, but we need some positivity um, in this episode. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I've got such a bias for Elrond, so this could generally be what the reasoning is. Okay. <laughs> but it was actually interesting seeing, like, even as such as simple scene, the uh, Mithril um, that we also see later on in the series when... Mm. Um, What's his face? Frodo uses and Bilbo uses yeah. and stuff. So that was also interesting. That was a nice little callback. That's probably why I liked yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. But I, th- I actually think um, seeing Prince Durin, obviously not the king, um, yeah. seeing him sort of clock on. To, I think he realizes that he's being investigated by Elrond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole that made me laugh. That was the that one was time fun. I laughed. That was, and I, that was really funny. And I, I think it sets up quite a good thing because I think, like, it's obviously really interesting to know that they're mining and, like, the king doesn't, um obviously, what doesn't want them to do it because they're risking everything. And I think the thing Elrond tells Prince Durin at the end of it, which is basically, like, um your dad's actually right. Like, you shouldn't be risking everyone for everything. I, I don't know. I think it's just seeing the dynamic between Elrond and Prince Durin that I actually like. Um, I was just laughing, yeah. and it's the only thing that I enjoyed. It made me happy. That's probably why. Yeah, it, I'm just incredibly biased. Yeah, it, it was a bit more of a whimsical um, part um, of the show, you know, for sure. You know that that dwarven elvish uh, chemistry um, when they love hate relationship. Yeah, exactly. Which is always um, entertaining. Which is always entertaining to watch. I, I think maybe where my feelings come from is the frustration at the story not necessarily moving forward because that's this is where i agree with you yeah i feel like so i, I like it for a ha 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 la, 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 la kind of i section. know what you mean because it's, it's weird because i had less tolerance for it with ilsador yeah i don't know if this is just me having a general bias with elves and dwarves <laughs> Maybe, no, maybe i didn't care i mean people I, so i think that's probably why because like they weren't moving the plot along in any sense or imagination. Yeah. But it was quite nice to watch. And I don't know. And But yet, with Ilsador and that whole side plot thing, I was pissed off. So I don't know what that says about me. And, and considering I find him attractive, even that wasn't winning me over. <laughs> yeah. You get <laughs> Prince Dorin and King Dorin and Elrond. And I'm like, yay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, look, look. Um we're allowed to have biases. I mean, people love to pretend that they don't have biases, but that's just a bunch of nonsense. We are here to enjoy and we like the things we like. So, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, um, so j- just to finish that, I mean, um, again, you know, I-, I can only talk about the moments that like stood out for me. So the, and, you know, given that this was like a sort of whimsical part, I, I mean, let, let's, let's, I'm going to give them a chance with this whole, you know, I said how the, um, the dwarves, uh, falling into, uh, you know, well, that mining accident, basically. Maybe it was like a foreshadowing that they're already going a bit too deep. You know, they've seen the Mithril now. That stuff, you know, looks, looks good. We hear the words of Sauron, the dwarves delved too greedily and too deep. You know what they awoke in the darkness of Khazar Doom. So maybe this is what they're teasing, which is fine. I'm praying it's that, but this is my way of giving them 
a chance, but credit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your tolerance as the show goes along, um, as the show goes goes along, and you know what? To be honest, like it does kind of remind me in a way of Game of Thrones, even when it was really really good. Um, I don't know if you watched them all at once or season to season. The reason I'm bringing, I watched it season. I watched it season to season. So when it first aired, yeah. Now the reason I'm bringing that up is that I'm wondering if something similar is happening. Where there were certainly moments between seasons one to four with Game of Thrones, where it actually felt like they were teasing too much. Like the White Walkers, like going all out, I felt was teased for almost like five seasons. You know that this is it, this is all leading up to something. You know. Um, Daenerys is eventually going to cross the narrow sea and all that kind of stuff. So, but the reason why it was such good TV is because even the side plots that were happening on ground whilst we were waiting for these major events were still amazingly captivating. Um, and I don't, and you know, we, we always said that the comparisons are going to be inevitable with this show, but I don't think rings of power quite hitting that same balance you know the side plots with Isildur and um uh you know Durin Prince Durin's wife asking if he's got another girlfriend I mean I'm just like oh come on guys um but then we get the little you know we get the accident with the dwarves and you know maybe maybe they're teasing that but I can I'm only saying that because I am a fan of the other movies Mithril um dwarves may be getting into trouble because of how big they're deeping. If this is your first encounter with Lord of the Rings, this means nothing to you. Like, you're just inferring. Like, I'm inferring, sorry. Whereas other viewers might not um, might not be liking it so much. Or maybe um, they've not even put that together. I mean, I doubt it if you, you know, like a bit of talking. I think these are simple conclusions to reach. But, um, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you bringing up the dragon show in Game of Thrones was was spot on because essentially, like, essentially what made seasons one to four, five, it became more fantastical when you added the workers in. (laughs) I feel what made one to four so brilliant was the political gameplay. Yeah. It was, you all, and also what made it, even better and I don't think I think this show's shown it but not sh- like I think it showed it last week definitely mm. the stakes were high yes. you were seeing a big death yeah like n- you didn't know I remember watching that year on year and I was stressing my little self out yeah. not knowing who was going to die like even though I've read the books and you know what's going to happen but to actually visually see it like the Red Wedding for example if you've never read the books and that's the first thing you've ever seen of Thrones it's huge isn't it yeah and that was not even a major plot point on the show. Exactly. That was as a side plot that had a big crescendo right at the end. Yeah. It felt like the stakes were high. And I think where Rings of Power are going wrong and is that they've not set up the small plot lines properly. They're doing it for about 60% of them, to be fair. They're yeah. doing it to 60% yeah. of them. Southlands, Harfoots, all that stuff, they're setting that up yeah. perfectly yeah. fine. 
but I feel like they need to do better. Yeah. Because I feel like if you set up the small plot points perfectly, like we know the stakes for the Southlands are going to be so high because we're now invested in it. Yeah. In Arundir, Arundor, who is a character who does not exist in Tolkien lore. Yeah. So it's, you can do it. It's just you've got to extrapolate it everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like if they nail the small plot lines for everything well, when it comes to the end of the season and when the stakes are really high, like you're going to be stressed. Like I'm stressed for Arundir now. Yeah, because yeah, I'm invested in him. I care about the character now. I care about him the same way I care about Elrond. Yeah. Same way I care about Theo, I care about Branwyn, I care about all these characters because the stakes are like when Theo was getting chased. By that, or my my heart was pumping. Yeah. I thought, right, don't let, when he was stuck in that well, I thought he was going to grab him. I was shook, but that's because you've set it up perfectly fine. Yeah. So I feel like where they could have learned, I don't know if they need to nab the early Rise of Thrones or nab Miguel because Miguel's not doing House <laughs> of Dragon for season two. Yeah. Just nab someone from that show that knows how to or, translate this stuff. Exactly. Or I don't know, whoever's writing the Southlands plots, if it's not the same person for everything, make that one person write it for everything. We, we I, I don't it, know who's writing. We said it last week that it felt like the reason, one of the reasons why it's so easy to divide this show when we review it is because it feels like three completely different directors. Like I, you don't feel it's like the same person doing all these scenes. Exactly. It's ridiculous how, like, you know, like, for me, if, if, um, you know, this was being teased to me as a kid and someone's like, you know, Isildur, you're going to see young Isildur in this and all that kind of stuff. And Isildur's, you know, like you're talking about with plot lines, um, you know, Isildur's stakes is, uh, oh, are you going to be a sailor or not? I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I like, but there's a, there's a way to do that sailor plot. Perfectly. The writers have to write. The writers have to write properly. So it's not my fault. if they did the sailor thing, mm-hmm. and from the start of the season, from the very start to the very end, and then you get the little instances of him hearing voices, him getting shook, him wondering, oh, like, what's this? Him talking to his friends, his friends not listening to him. Like, if that went on continuously, yeah. and then the end result at the end of the season was him and his friends get fired... Yeah. Because that was not going to affect the plot line of everything else. If him and his friends then got sat at the end of the season after you've invested so much time into rooting for him to be in a sailor exactly. and all that, that would have been perfect. And if anyone could play that, I would have fought them because that's literally character yeah. development. Yes. You're literally watching from start to finish. Like, oh my gosh, you're rooting for him to be in a sailor. Oh my gosh, he wants to make something of himself. Make it clear that when he's talking to other characters, like, I want to be, like, I know I got here because of my dad, but I want to be better. Like, I want to improve myself. And if we watch that play, because there's only eight episodes, if we watch that play out and then he got the sack in the eighth episode, I'd be heartbroken. Yeah. So I'm like, I've watched you for about seven and a half, eight episodes striving to be this guy. You've wanted to be a sailor. You're only doing it because your dad asked you to. And then you want to make him proud. You keep trying. You keep hearing these voices. No one is understanding you other than yourself. You can't speak to your dad about this because he's going to look at you like you're crazy. And then if he got sacked, then it would be like, okay. Yeah. Like, this is sad. Stakes are high. up for nine months. You know, why is man hearing voices in his head? Why are these weird things around me? I hear voices in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, no, you're right. Because something that could easily have been dragged out for an entire season 
was sort of started and then ended within 10 minutes. Like, I'm afraid the show hasn't given me any reason to care about Isildur trying to become a sailor. Like, I don't care. That That's it. Like, when, you know, which I'm sure is supposed to be a sad scene, like his friends turn on him, you know, they've not given us enough there. Um, they've not, these voices have just come out of nowhere now. Like, how is it going to affect him? What's he going to be doing now? Because um, you've introduced him as someone trying to become a sailor or whatever. And I'm sure this this uh, word sailor is probably wrong. But um, again, that's what happens when you barely care about the plot point um, because we're struggling here. Um, so yeah, like, and you know, it, it's frustrating. Um, it, it's kind of like in football where you see people, they're professional um, paid to do this stuff. And you, the casual fan, can see ways that they would improve instantly. And that's frustrating. You are supposed to be better than us. You are supposed to be the professionals. You're supposed to show us why I'm sat at home watching this and you're getting to do all the writing and directing, you know? Um, and it's not, it's not coming. It, unfortunately, it's just not coming across. And uh, um, I, I think just the throwaway scene, um, you know, Elrond and, um, sorry, not Elrond, uh, Galadriel and uh, Halbrand uh, escaping from a Numenorian prison. I mean, what's that about? That uh, It's not a good episode, is it? Um, <laughs> I don't know what you thought. I told you. But I mean, that's that's kind of wild. Like you can't just. The only thing I was interested about that was how he sort of betrayed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the only thing. That's when I thought because mm. he was all gassing her up and telling her the tea and saying, "You know what, girl? He's the gist, right? You need to stop <laughs> doing this, 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 and this." It's like a parent-teacher conference. Yeah, and he's basically telling her what you can't, should, what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. Basically telling her like you're you're talking to men, like you need to be like you can't come in all guns blazing, telling her you want to speak to her dad, that you've got to have a bit of, you know, have a bit of decorum. Yeah, yeah. And then to see him tell Farazod, oh, like, why should I let her go? And then he goes, oh, but I could, if you know where she is, that it won't be a problem. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you sneaky git. Servant of Morgoth, indeed. And again, that is, um, that's a lot more interesting than another made-up character who I'm enjoying more than the than the um, characters that are actually real and we're excited to see. Anyway, so we'll leave that there. And uh, again, the saviour of the episodes, Arendir in the Southlands. Um, and we've got Theo and Brownwyn becoming a lot more prominent as well. So any initial thoughts um, on that? We also, of course, it starts off with Adar being finally revealed um, in that as well. And actually, before, sorry, before you even get into that, I, I've just got to get this in. The orcs are unreal. Absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe how good the orcs are. Um, yeah, okay. I'm going to stop there. Actually, I heard one of the orcs um, in on the show. It's the one from the original movies. I thought, oh, that makes sense. Oh. Because I could tell. Yeah, I could tell. Okay. Um, in regards of Bramwyn and Theo, that was the most interesting storyline throughout the entire episode. Yeah. Well, start, start with uh, Adar, though, because um, it starts with... Um, Adar. Yeah, Arandir, um still kneeling in front of... Adar's now revealed. Um, we, see so, the, we see his face. 
my mutual and I are having this conversation when the episode when episode three dropped. Yeah. And he was saying how he thinks it was Sauron. And then I kept saying, no, it's way too bloody obvious yeah. for it to be Sauron. Like, way too obvious. They're not going to be that blatant with it. Yeah. Like, he is a deceiver. Like, you're not. I, I, and I, I was right. Because he had the elf ears and everything, which yep. makes me think, oh, what's that elf called beginning with a B? Oh, flipping it. I feel like I need to Google search it. But there's, there's an elf beginning with a B. He's one of the bad elves. Ooh, no idea. Oh, it's really annoying me. I've got the name in my head. No. I but help you. he knew way too much about where Aaron is from and everything. Like He did, yeah. And he I saw his ears. Where were you born? There is a word. And what's going to happen is that by the time we finish filming this podcast, I'm then going to remember. I'm then going to text you. I'm going to get pissed off. <laughs> but that's besides the point. But see, Ardor was very interesting. Like, what I felt watching him throughout the entire episode, and I was, was trying to see, and also reading social media responses to him as well, was that it seemed like he thought that if he gets the side, when he told Arundir, like, oh, you need to go back and get the men and tell them, like, if you, if you like, listen to Sauron again and, you know, rise up for Morgoth again, um, you're gonna get what you're owed, basically. Mm. It seems like he's working for him to reinstate himself, yeah, to be what he used to be because he looked all mash up, yeah. So I think he, I think Which is not he, elves. it was not more of elves. So I think he, I don't know if he is that. This is just me theorizing, by the way. Yeah, he, he may not be that at all. We don't know who he is, but um, I think whatever he is, he's trying to reinstate himself, yeah. And try to get himself back into a position of power. And he feels like the only way he's ever going to be able to do that is to work with Sauron. Yeah. So it's very clear that he's not Sauron. Very clear. Um, so that was very interesting. I really, really loved, really loved that storyline. I thought it was quite interesting to see how it ties everything up, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when, like, we know that when Arundir gets back to the Watchtower, etc., like, we know what the stakes are now. Now the stakes are really bloody high, like, really, 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 really high. And now you're scared because you're thinking, oh, crap, like, if Arundir doesn't get these men on side with him, he's in big trouble. And that's why they did that bit Mm. very well because now I'm shook. I'm anticipating the next episode to see what's actually going to happen here. Are the men actually going to fall? like they usually do mm-hmm. or are they actually going to stand firm and be like you know what like we did it before we ain't doing it again <laughs> um in terms of theo that was so fascinating yeah seeing him um basically tell his friend like are you pussy though like why is why are you so scared <laughs> let's get the rationings and obviously brown was like no like don't you be a good mom yeah that's that's a mother Mother's in the she home. Said, she we'll was telling eat, we'll eat abbot, a rabbit for dinner and we'll eat rabbit for dinner. Like, nah, like you gotta firm it. Nah, fam, I want nah, real fam. food. I want Mackies, bro. She's saying there's rabbit He's... at home. There's no rabbit at home. He he was on that pre-workout drain. Yeah. He was he was <laughs> jacked up. He was like, I'm gonna bench press today. Um, but seeing him like that whole chase he would talk and him hiding in the well. And when the orc goes, where did you get that from? Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually could do the deep voice because yeah. I had the flu. Yeah. He was like, where did you get that from? As if like, he was proper shook. And I was yeah. like, the whole time I was sitting there and I was like, this is brilliant. Like, this this is now making me scared because this kid having access to that is Very terrifying man. me. Yeah. It's terrifying me. And it's it's going to change him and it's going to affect him. 
and it's worse that no one knows that he has this thing. Apart so from it's that, freaking me. This mysterious apart old from, man um, at the end. Mysterious old man in the end. So it's freaking me out. Like, genuinely, because I'm like, it feels like it's my kids I'm yeah. watching. Because oh. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, kid? Like, give give it up. Yeah. You're seeing this red, yellow, flamey thing. Obviously, you're seeing the eye. You're like, oh. yeah, bro. Like, what? these kids, yeah, <laughs> bad kids. If that was me, I saw that. My black ass is putting that thing down and I'm going home and I'm praying. Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you crazy? I ain't did that juju stuff, man. I'm what? putting that thing down, running home. I'm praying to God. I'm repenting. I ain't missing the trumpet <laughs> sound on Judgment Day for that nonsense. And this kid's like, oh yeah, let me put it, let me put it here. Now it's got the mark on him. No, so so do you know what's funny? What's funny? I just thought of this is uh you know, maybe we are the actual parents in this situation. The reason I say that is because it's going to sound a bit silly, but that child actor was not alive when uh, Peter Jackson's trilogy came out. So these shapes. Oh. No, no, no. But I, I know it's like, it's kind of like breaking the fourth wall. Well, not, not really, but sort of mixing realities. But what, what I'm saying is just kind of funny. We say that because we've, we know that these shapes mean bad business. We see certain things and we're like, we know what that's going to turn into. So you better put that shit down. Whereas the kids like, it just looks a bit cool. So I'm going to keep it. So I do find that uncle a little bit funny, but to more serious stuff. Um, so I'll go over that section as well. Only because I have a slightly different take about Adar. Now, um, I'm going to read what my actual notes actually said. Um, okay. and this, and I'm, this, I'm going to read it verbatim. And, you know, this is what happens when you're uh, uh, day drinking. So I literally write, um, Adar can't be Sauron. He is an elf and he is beaten up. Oh, my God, it is Sauron. If that watchtower is Baradur, I will lose my mind. Uh, did he have to catch the arrow? <laughs> that was that was <laughs> did, caught the arrow. Now the reason this this might be this might be a casual take because you've said there is absolutely no way he's Sauron. I'm not so sure. Um, only reason I'm saying that is because the, I mean they keep on teasing it. They keep on teasing it. They keep on teasing it. So like even when they did the previously on Rings of Power they reminded us again of that elf saying Sauron has many different names. The first thing Arandir says is, why do the orcs call you father? Um, oh, yeah. Adar says, I'm going to be, I'm not a god, but I will be. Um, and there's a lot of foreboding there. And, you know, like we discussed in the last episode, who's Sauron, who's the Witch King? Um, and we said that they might be trying to misdirect us, albeit in a very obvious way, which isn't very good misdirection, because everything is now saying, like at least to a casual fan, and unfortunately when it comes to Second Age, I'm a little bit casual, and I'm like, well, could it be? Father, clearly the one that corrupted the orcs, um, I will be a god one day. Um, yeah, and then he's telling Arundir to go back to the village and tell them, uh, I sent you, <laughs> yeah, I sent you and tell them to swear fealty to me. Um, 
So I'm just wondering, man. I don't know. I've not seen any. I've not watched any theory videos. I don't really want to because um, people that like know there are some people that know the second age like the back of their hand, and they'll probably be able to confirm. Um, you know, maybe a bit, a bit like you, to be fair, where you're like, it's definitely not. It's definitely not solid. Definitely. The thing is, the, the thing with the Sauron thing, right? This is because uh, me and Rich. Oh, it was Kaz. It was Kaz. It was Kaz. We were having this conversation, yeah. and I. He almost convinced me. I'm not going to lie. He almost had me. He almost had me. But in my head, I kept thinking, would they be that obvious? Yeah, that's, that's the what. Thing. It, that, that's what. That's I. That's the thing. The thing. It's and so on the nose, isn't it? Sure, surely, surely, like, I wouldn't be angry. But it'll be a rubbish. Sauron is Sauron. Sauron is Sauron. I stand villains. So yeah. I wouldn't be angry. But it's too on the nose. I want some. I want to think a little bit. Yeah. Like you know, when you watch University Challenge and you get the really hard question, I want it to be so difficult. But then when I actually clock it, I'm like, okay, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Like I, I want it to be that I don't. If it's that on the nose, I'm going to be so annoyed. So I'm like, no. Yeah, and- like make me question it. I want it to be like a whole Where's Waldo thing. Exactly. Of where, who's Sauron? Like I want it to be the point. Like I think. Either I don't know if they're gonna start doing it in the fifth episode. I don't know if it's too late, but they've got enough dodgy people enough to sort of question yeah, who is it, who is it not. <laughs> but I feel like they need to up the ante a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, probably when they when Galadriel gets to Middle Earth, we'll probably get a little bit more of it. Yeah. But I explain my wider criticism with the show at the end of the podcast when we go into ratings and stuff. But I just want to get to a point where I'm questioning. I'm looking at everyone like, are you Sauron? Yeah. Are you Sauron? Like, are you? Because he's such a liar. Yeah, exactly. He's, like that is that, that's the only thing that will be so disappointing about this. I mean, I think that's a writing criticism in general. Anyway, when you're being misdirected, you don't want to know that you're being misdirected. So it's now like so on the nose with one person. You know, it's like um, if you had a question to answer. Uh, and there were two options and I don't know, you ask someone there, you know, what is the correct option? And they go, well, it definitely isn't that one. I promise you, it's not that one. And then, oh wait, reveal, it was him. And it's just like, I mean, that's boring, right? There needs to be, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like if they want to, they can really mess with our minds with people like Halbrand and, Mm. you know, stuff like that. You know, there's a servant of Morgoth right there. Um, to to mess with our minds. Um, so yeah, the whole Adar thing, even though it's kind of cool, because that episode was so on the nose. Even you know, putting the previously on Rings of Power, showing his face whilst talking about Sauron, it would be disappointing if it's not him. So I, I'm 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 completely with you. I'm completely with you. And maybe that's just the whole writing criticism. Okay, great. Uh, let's get into the ratings then. Um, obviously, there were elements of the show um, that did did disappoint us, you know, for being completely honest. Um, but at the same time, Southlands and Arondir, as usual, uh, have come to the rescue. Definitely the part of the show I'm most um, invested in. Um, a, a really, there was a really cool fight scene, or at least the chase scene um, with the orcs um, and stuff. The music was perfect. The orcs genuinely look amazing. I mean, I think that's the thing that they have nailed. Whatever, uh, why do I say whatever like that? (laughs) Whatever uh, people decide to think of the show. Um, So, yeah, Priscilla, 
What's the rating? What's the rating? What are you thinking? I'm giving it. Uh, six out of ten. Six, six. out of ten. I think that Fair. the Ilsador storyline tanked. Um, I think that as much as I love the doors, but it really did entertain me. It brought me great happiness. Um, it didn't. It didn't do enough to move the plot along. I think the only thing that saved it was the whole Southlands plot. That's why it gets a six. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, if this was, um, if there was no Southlands, and we saw the Harfoots instead, um, then this would have dropped to a three, maybe a two. Uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, like I don't feel. The thing is, I feel really good about really good about the Southlands, really, I feel good about the plot with Theo, Brownwyn, Aaron Deer, like, you know, how, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to turn into a love interest situation. The fight scenes are really cool. Um, I will just shout out as well the reference to Sauron uh, right at the end too, where the old man, you know, said that they've both got the mark. Um, obviously, my uh, Theo has the sword hilt, that looks like the Tower of Baradur, which is uh, which is actually really cool, um, and also mentions that the stranger didn't not using the word stranger, but um, you know the sky falling as they I think I believe they described it was a sign <laughs> of Sauron coming and that they had to be ready. So that has made me be like, okay, this was a poor episode. It's a six out of ten. But I'm going to watch next week. Like, you know, well, I've, I've, we've also got a podcast to do, but <laughs> I will like, <laughs> I will be watching next week. So, um, yeah, hopefully we see improvements. You know, it's the second half. Um, hopefully, you know, the director's given everyone a good, good kick in and uh, we'll see a better second half of the season. So um, that would be the best thing since sliced bread. Like yeah. I want it to be as good as the McFlurry I had today that I shouldn't have because I was sick. Like it should have been that good. <laughs> I want it to be that good. It should be. Look, Tolkien has an amazing universe. He's created an amazing universe. Um, there is enough stuff to work with here. Um, we don't want fans being able to come up with better ideas than the experts and the ones with the ability to invest millions where um, you shouldn't be outdone by, by fans. Um, so yeah, I hope that that's the message, but um, yeah, no, um, thanks for listening. Uh, so this has been another episode. Uh, don't forget to follow us um, on podcast uh, for dinner. Um, you mean on popcorn Instagram. for dinner? Sorry? You mean popcorn for dinner? What did I say? Podcast for dinner. I said, oh, well, I'm going to blame the rubbish episode. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, so popcorn for dinner on all um, platforms. Um, you can follow me, um, although all I do is cry about Arsenal on uh, Chizzy uh, VII and you've got Priscilla on Twitter as well. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. See you later, guys. Bye.
I can't believe you guys tried to quit from the podcast halfway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Chizzy did. Yeah, sorry, you got me. 